Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go in our Bibles and find Hebrews chapter 2. And if you will remember last Sunday morning, I'm trying to think, it was me preaching last Sunday morning, right? Right? We, we taught on victory over temptation. And um, you know how we can have victory over temptation. Now, you may think, well, you know, Pastor, I don't really think I have that much temptation. That thought kind of hit me. You know, I thought, well, what, you know, what are my temptations and stuff? And you, know, you can think, well, do I really have that much temptation and all? And then it's like the Lord started to reveal things to me. He said, there's things that are temptation that you don't even think are temptation, but they're, they're temptation from the devil. What about the temptation to be discouraged? You say, well, Pastor, that's just life circumstances. No, no, that's the devil because, you know, as, as believers, we're told to have good courage. Amen? What about the temptation to be sad or lose your joy or to quit? Right? And I never had thought about that. I thought, that's the devil tempting me to yield to that because I'm supposed to yield to the fruit of the Spirit which is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So, you know, you can think, well, I don't have much temptation, but yet that temptation to quit, that temptation to be discouraged, Mm -hmm. uh, to be um, downcast, to lack joy, all that's temptation from the devil. And I hadn't really even thought about it that way because I was just thinking, well, you know, I don't know that I have all that much temptation. You know what I'm saying? I mean... um, but then, I, then the Lord brought that to me, and it's like, no, you're not, you, you don't even realize what some temptation is. Amen. There's temptation to, to be stingy. Hallelujah. Anybody ever have that spirit get on you? Anybody want to admit it? We've all had that before, you know. Or we, you know there's temptation to do a lot of things. that Anything that, that, that directs you in a way that's different from the Scriptures is, is a temptation, a solicitation to do the wrong thing. So if I'm solicited to be down all day long, then that's not God, that's the devil. And it's not just life, right? Because if we have to wait till life gets right to have joy, then we're never going to have joy because I don't know about you, there's not that many seasons in my life where everything's going right. You say, well, that's a negative confession. No, Jesus just said this. He said, in the world you would have tribulation. But be a good cheer, I've overcome it. Now, you know, I know we preach on faith. We preach on believing God. And some people think that we're saying that we're going to develop this utopia for ourselves where we never have an issue or never have a problem. Well, brother, if that's possible, I want the book that, you know, that tells you that. And I want the scriptures that go with the book. Because that's just not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible's not teaching us. Now, don't misunderstand me. Like old Pentecostals, they just like, it was always a life of woe and, you know, woe is me and all that. That's not what we're talking about. uh, Because we're talking about that in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of trials, if, if if you follow God, you follow the Spirit, you follow the Word, you can have joy. Hallelujah. And that temptation to be discouraged or to quit or to give up, that's of the devil. I've talked to ministers just this year that have had those thoughts of quitting. 
Now, not, they weren't talking about quitting God, but they're talking about quitting what they're doing in the ministry. One of them said, I even thought about going back to my old, you know, I had a college degree, going back to, you know, what I did before I started in the ministry, you know, and all. And, you know, it's just the devil. I said, it's the devil and he's tempting you. We think about temptation. We think about sexual sin. We think about maybe lying. We think about different, maybe different things, those categories. But there are categories where we get tempted where I don't think sometimes we realize this is just the devil tempting me to yield to this. Amen. Nobody loves me. Hallelujah. I love Dr. Barclay's illustration I've told over and over again, but I love it. He had an older lady in his church that was just a cranky old lady. And she was just constantly causing issues, you know, with people, not with Dr. Barclay, but with people. And she told Dr. Barclay, she said, there's just no love in this church. And usually the person that says that's the one that's causing all the problems. You know that? I have no say. Dr. Barclay said, he said, the proof that we let you stay here proves we have love in this church. And I think maybe she got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess you're right. You know, amen. So when we talk about victory over temptation, you may think, well, Pastor, I don't have any temptation to do this or to do that, to do that. But I guarantee you that there are areas of your life where the devil tempts you. Because he does everybody. He's actually called the tempter. In, in the book of Thessalonians. So I don't, I, I, you know, one thing, I don't ever like to brag on the devil, you know. I don't ever can say anything good about him. But if you could say anything good about the devil, he's good at being a devil. He's the best one I've ever seen. But he's a defeated foe. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus defeated him. Amen. You know, Charles Cap said this years ago, he said, you know, the, the Bible says that, that, that God breaks the teeth of the ungodly, you know. And he says the devil qualifies. He said, but some Christians are so pliable and, you know, they're so weak-spined, gullible, pliable, weak-spined, that he can just, even though the devil's had his teeth pulled, he can just gum them to death. <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah, I got that. I understand that. Amen. We don't want to be that way, right? All right, Hebrews chapter 2. Here's what I want to talk about today, okay? i got to get going here because i got four things to cover. I want to talk about keys to victory over temptation. I'm going to give you four of those. The first one is prayer. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to look about three scriptures on this one, I think. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, and I'm reading now the old King James here. I just grew up on it, you know. And so I still use it. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him, or, or you could say it was fitting for him, uh, it was proper for him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things to pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So he went through some, the same things we went through so he could be merciful and faithful. Amen. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able... Look at the next word. What's your Bible say? To aid. To aid. All right. My King James says sucker them. That's an old English word that means to give aid or help or support to them that are tempted. Notice it doesn't say that he like shames you because you're tempted. It says he gives you aid. Right. He come and help you. Right. 
Because why? He's been tempted. As he's, he, he's, he's, it behooved him to be made like unto us so he could relate to us. Amen? Right? I mean, you ever had the times, you know, like, you know, like one time the Lord said this to me years ago. Uh, he said, you know whose job it is? If there's division, if there's a strife, if there's a problem in your marriage, he said, you know whose job it is to fix it? He said, it's the husband's job. He said, because Christ is the one that reconciled the church or fixed it. You know what I said? Father, you've never been here. Let me talk to Jesus. He's been here. He understands it. <laughs> no. I mean, it's the husband's job because Christ reconciled the church to himself, you know. So it's the husband's job to fix the thing if he can. Moving right along. Praise the Lord. I didn't mean to bring marriage up. This, I didn't mean to, re- to ruin the message already. But, you know, we guys got a responsibility. Amen. Now, all right, chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4. Go there, Hebrews chapter 4. <laughs> you talk about marriage, everybody gets real quiet. It's like, amen. amen. It's like somebody said one time, some people spend more time on the ceremony than they do working on the actual marriage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, ceremony's not a big deal, really. I mean, I'm, going, I'm, doing, I'm doing a wedding today. My grandson's getting married, so I'm officiating. And it's, you know, it's more detailed and all. But, you know, hey, you, you go find an old oak tree and get married underneath of it. Right? You're just as married. Right? You can do it in your overalls. You're just married, man. You know what I'm saying? If you do it before God, covenant with before God, do it legally. Listen to me. Legally before man. Legally. None of this were married in the sight of God. No, God talked about a certificate of divorce if you ever broke up. He talked about the legality of it. So if you don't have that piece of paper, it means a lot to God. All right, moving right along. It's like I told a couple one time, you know, well, God sees us married. I said, honey, if you can walk away without going and getting a divorce, you ain't married. Pardon my English, but you got to talk real dumb to dumb people. I'm not calling you dumb people. I'm talking about the people I'm talking to. Is that all right? So God does recognize the legality of marriage, right? This is just goofiness going on in the charismatic movement. You know, well, God sees us as married. No, if you didn't, if you didn't make a covenant, a legal binding contract, you're not married. You're shacking up. Praise the Lord, everybody. We need your faithful support right now. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, you there? Verse 14, he says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our confession. Why can we hold fast our confession? Because we got a great high priest that's passed into the heavens. In other words, we got somebody up there working on our behalf. So hold fast. There's a hold fast. That means you stick with it, right? Right? You stay in faith. Like Pastor Jerry says, I love that. You start, you may have to help me a little bit, brother. You start in faith. You stay in faith, you end in faith. You start in faith, right? You stay in faith. You end in faith. That's powerful. Amen. Verse 15, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched 
with the feelings of our infirmities. Now, anytime you see the word infirmities, like in the King James, a lot of new translations, like King James, says weaknesses, that's what it means. Infirmities are your weaknesses. What do you mean? I don't have any weaknesses. I'm in Christ Jesus. Well, you have weaknesses in the flesh, not in your spirit. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Thank God he never sinned. He never yielded. So I would think he would be somebody you would want to go to to ask how to get out of this. Right? It's like one pastor said he had a couple in his church, you know, and he came. They said, well, pastor, you know, um, and he's got a bigger church, so no, he doesn't do all the counseling. And he said, you know, they came to him. And they said, well, pastor, we've been to the, some of the other ministers in church for marriage counseling and all. And we're just going to a professional, professional. He said, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Who are you going to? Let me, do you mind me asking? And they, they named who it was. He said, so you're going there. He said, that guy's been divorced four times. Not, I'm, not, I'm not condemning anybody. Don't anybody take this wrong. But, but, but he said, it would seem to me that if you wanted to know how to stay married, you would come to Vicki and I, who've been married at that time 40-some years. I would think that's who you'd want to learn from. Not the guy that says, you know, all women are bad. I've been through four of them and none of them acted right. There's a common denominator in your marriage, brother. You. All right, move around. I don't know why we're on marriage, but anyway, it's good preaching anyway. Praise the Lord. Verse 16. Now notice this. Well, let's read verse 15 again. He says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities or our weaknesses. In other words, the areas where we're tempted is what he's talking about. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. I've got to stop again. Because, you know, some people have areas that are weaker in one area than, than you do. And you shouldn't judge them because you have an area in your life that's weaker than areas in their life. You get that? You may say, I don't understand why they're always getting depressed. Well, that's probably their weakness. How about pray for them? Right? You know, well, I don't understand why they always yield to this or do that. Well, we all have areas of weakness in our flesh that we all need to work on. Is that correct? So we just have to realize, you know, maybe you're strong in one area. You know, maybe, maybe you are, you know. But maybe another guy isn't, but... Maybe you got your area. All right. But let, notice what it says, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. What? When we're tempted, right? Right? You're not supposed to go like, hi, and hope God doesn't find out you're being tempted. I mean, Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to it. He says, therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. Notice it doesn't call it the throne of judgment. That we may obtain... What? Everybody? Mercy. Mercy. And find grace to help when? In time of need. What's the time of need? The time of need is the temptation. I need some help right now. I'm being tempted. Well, I don't want to tell God that. Well, you think it's going to shock him? You think he's going to be surprised? Of course not. So what is it saying? It's simply saying to us that God's saying he's inviting us when we have a temptation issue, to come to the throne of grace to get some help. I got a weakness here. My high priest understands weakness. He's, he's been tempted. He understands the flesh, right? 
So he understands us. So he's able to help me when I am tempted. That's good news. I said, that's really good news. And so we have to go to the throne of grace that we may obtain. Now, I want you to notice what he said. Now, listen now. He said that we may obtain mercy and find grace. There's a difference between mercy and grace. And I, I think the best definition I ever heard, I'm not saying it is the best, I'm saying it's the best I've heard, is mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So what this verse is telling me is, look, if you have missed it, if you yielded, you can come to the throne of grace. Woo, somebody say amen. amen. I'm glad it doesn't say come to the throne of judgment because there's no, there's no mercy there. Come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. But the best thing to do is go there and get grace. Grace helps you overcome, right? But if you do miss it, aren't you glad? John said, if, we, if we'd sin, it's over with. No, he said, if we do sin, we have an advocate. Who's that? Our high priest who's been tempted in all points like as we are. He's able to help us. Amen. So it doesn't do any good to kick yourself for three weeks after you missed it. Right? It's like I told one guy one time, he kept bringing up the same sin he did years ago. Years ago, I said, here's your problem. You have more faith in your sin than you do the blood of Jesus to cleanse you of sin. Amen. And I said, if you have that kind of faith, I can't help you. God can't help you because you're going to have to have faith that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me? Now, I've heard people teach us. I, dis- I happen to disagree with this. I don't dis- I'm not disagreeable with the people, but I do disagree with this kind of teaching. And, and I've heard it taught, and I disagree with it. They say that, you know, all of our sins that uh, we committed before we were born again, we will never answer for those. I believe that part. How many believe that part? Yes. Aren't you glad about that? Yes. But then they say, everything you've committed since you've been a believer, you will answer for that. I don't agree with that. I agree. I agree. Listen now. Here's what I agree with. If the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, it's gone. Hallelujah. That's what I believe. Well, then the Bible says that we'll give an account of the deeds done in the body. Yes, our faithfulness to serve God, we're going to give an account for that. Whether you were faithful to do what he called you to do, I'm going to answer for my ministry. Right? Whether I was faithful or not. I'm going to give an account. See, the Bible talks about that. Jesus talked about, you know, uh, enter, enter into the joy of the Lord, thou good and what? See what? You and I as Christians are given account for when we stand for the judgment seat of Christ. If you, get, if you get in that line, just go ahead and shout because you made it. If you're before the white throne judgment, man, you don't want to be there. But if you're at the judgment seat of Christ... You're not going to be judged heaven or hell. You're just going to be judged for rewards. How faithful were you with God's talents and gifts that he gave you? That's what you're going to be judged by. Not heaven or hell, but you're going to get get rewards based on how faithful you were. 
So he said, one's going to get, you know, be thou over five cities, be thou over two. You know what I'm saying? How many remember those parables in Matthew and Luke? See, one of them talks about pounds we were given. See, one of them talks about one's given like one pound, two pounds, five pounds. Everybody was given ten talents. See, we're all going to be judged by what we did with our personal relationship with the Lord because He gives us all the same thing. We've all been given a measure of faith, right? We've all been given that same right, that same authority. We're going to be judged by what we did with that. We're going to be judged by what we did with our talents that He gave us. Amen? There's many people right now, listen to me, many people that are making millions of dollars in America singing that those talents were given to them to be used in the kingdom of God. And they're not going to get any rewards for their talents because they didn't use them for God's kingdom. Do you know how many people that are multi-millionaires today that started in church and left the church because they were so talented that they could make money in the world. Those people will be judged for their talents, whether they used them for God or not. Amen. It's serious, isn't it? Praise God. We've been to all over the place, man. Are you getting anything out of this now? All right, so, so we can come boldly. Now go to Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 26. Let me show you. So we're just talking about prayer is one of the keys to being victorious over temptation. Prayer. Matthew 26, go there. <clears throat> you know, God didn't give anybody any talents to, for the world. He gave them for the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't people in the world that, that, that you know, you could be in, you could take your, t- if God led you to take your talents to the world, He led you to take them there to be a witness for Him. What do I mean by that? Well, there might be some, you know, situations where people were given talents by God that maybe they don't use them in church, they use them in the world, but they're to use them for the glory of God. There's people got talents to make money. But they're not supposed to do it for the world. They're supposed to do it for the church. Yeah. Amen. Do you know what? This guy, I don't know if I should, I'll say it anyway. I think it's been said publicly before. But this guy, you know, uh, well, I just won't name his name. But this guy that owns this hobby lobby. Do you know he's, 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 he's worth a lot of money. But did you know he does that for the kingdom of God's sake? Yeah, his pastor, his pastor, he bought his, his pastor, pastors of a, 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 a tongue-talking church. Shama, shama, hallelujah. You know, like the Apostle Paul did. Right? And so he, he bought, now listen to this, he bought, his, his pastor does some traveling to preach in different places. He bought his pastor a jet Because he didn't want his pastor flying the airlines. You know what I say? Come to my church, brother. We'll welcome you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's got, to fi- he's got it figured out, right? 
I mean, he said so he didn't want his pastor to have to travel like that. He didn't, have to, he didn't want his pastor to have to think about money. This, that's why this guy's wealthy. God gave him a talent, but he's using, it for the, he's using it in the world, but he's using it for the kingdom. You follow what I'm saying? He's operating in the world, but he's doing it for the kingdom of God. Amen. She's got some comments. Anybody's traveled ought to know that if a, if a minister travels and he travels a lot, he, can't, he doesn't need to be flying Delta. Because number one, Delta can say they go everywhere, but they don't. There's 30,000 or plus airports in the United States. And Delta only goes to a few thousand of them. Maybe four. We're going to Amarillo, Texas. Thank you for your help. Appreciate it. Really, really do. I usually fly Delta. Delta doesn't go there. Delta will take me to Oklahoma City and then you can drive a car the rest of the way. How many know if you're a preacher and you're going all over these places, you don't need Delta on your side? Right? You know, just me, just going, just my last trip, I spent going there and going back, I spent about almost 20 hours in the, waiting in the airport. 20. I think a man of God or woman can, a God can do something better with their time than drink Starbucks all day. Eat greasy burgers. Come on, are you with me now? A minister that preached for us one time, he traveled all the time, all the time. I mean, that's all he did. He didn't pastor, he traveled all the time. He said, one year, he said, I had my cigarettes. Just find out how many days I spent waiting in the airport this year. She said, 150. That's half a year almost. He said, I can't keep doing this. So God's got ways, amen? All right, we are all over the place. Praise the Lord for the word today, amen? Now, all right, now notice this, verse 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 26 of Matthew, verse 41. Because I get amused at those, I don't know why a preacher needs an airplane for. Well, I don't know what some of them need one for, but I know why some of them need it, because they need it to do their job. It's like working at the mine. I don't know what you need a bulldozer for, because you work at the coal mine, dummy. You need to push some dirt. Same thing's true with a preacher. You need to travel. And you certainly can't do it with the airlines. You can some, but man, not totally. Amen. Amen. It's like I was going somewhere, and they said, well, you know, when you, land, when you arrive at Atlanta, you'll have 45 minutes to catch your connecting flight. Do you want that flight? I said, no, I don't want that flight. I said, I, you know, I know my way around Atlanta Airport pretty good. I can hustle pretty good there, but my luggage isn't going to make it with me. I want my baggage when I get where I'm going. So I said, no, forget it. I'm not taking that. Not 45 minutes. I'll make it, but my, pack, my, bag, my baggage isn't going to make it. Those guys aren't going to get that off that airplane and get it on the other one in 45 minutes. Are you kidding me? time they get done taking their break, they only have 10 minutes to go. Moving right along, praise the Lord. I was flying out of Evansville one day. Phyllis and I were flying out of Evansville. This guy's behind the counter. He takes our bags, Okay. I'm waiting for the plane to come up. I notice he's out there spotting a plane. I said, Phyllis, if he's flying, I'm not going. <laughs> this guy has too many jobs. <laughs> Amen. Matthew 26. Look at verse 40. This is Jesus. He cometh to, unto the disciples, and he finds them asleep, and he said unto Peter, 
What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now, let me just be honest. How many of you has Jesus found asleep when you were praying? Sure, all kinds of people found me asleep. Jesus has found me asleep. The NFL's found me asleep. NASCAR has found me asleep. I sleep through a lot of things. There's been times I felt like sleeping through one of my sermons. It was so bad. But what could you not watch with me one hour? Now, no, sis, this is important. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Look at this now. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, he said, You're, you, you need to watch and pray. That's going to help you overcome temptation. He says, because your spirit, your inner man is willing, but your flesh, the problems with your flesh, your flesh is weak. But he said, if you pray, you won't enter into temptation. So what is he saying? He's saying, if you pray, what happens when you pray? The willingness that's in your spirit. See, if you're born again, you have a willingness to obey God. Right? right? Yeah. I don't know a true Christian that's in fellowship with God that wants to go out and sin. I'm not saying Christians don't want to go out and sin. I said a true Christian that's in fellowship mm-hmm. with God. Right? That's walking in fellowship with Him. They don't want to do that. So there's a willingness inside of you, but the, but the problem come, comes is when you, because your flesh is weak. Right? But he's saying if you pray, if you pray, prayer will help you to not yield to temptation. In other words, it will bring out the willingness that's in your heart to do the will of God. It will bring it out into the flesh, and it will strengthen your flesh. Is that good or what? I mean, that's good to know. Amen? Now... <clears throat> Obviously, I'm not going to look at these rest of these four because I've got to go here in a little bit. But really, really, I do. I've got a, this afternoon a wedding, so I can't mess around. I want to eat a little bit before I go. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> kind of carnal, isn't it? Let, let me just tell you a story. There was a man severely tempted just this past weekend, wasn't he, Pastor Jerry? You should know you were part of it. <laughs> Pastor Jerry sends me this text. And it's a picture, there's peanut brittle at, uh, at Sam's. I really, really like that. And, but it's in a, you know, Sam's doesn't have like cord of anything. Everything's a tub. And that's just peanut brittle. It's like in a tub about like that, about that big. I don't have any quitting sense. So Phyllis has bought it for me a few times. And I said, stop it. Don't buy it any longer because I, I, I eat the whole thing. And uh, so he sends me a text about it. And, you know, and with a picture of it. Yeah, get behind me, Satan. But anyway, you know, he sends me that picture, you know. And, um, you know, I, I said, no, no, I can remember what I said. But anyway, basically it was no. And then I said, well, if you're still there, may, well, no. And then he said, remember what you're preaching on? Yeah, that was a dagger in my heart because... I was about ready to give in and get that, have him bring me some of that peanut brittle. And when he said, remember what you're preaching? I thought, oh, I can't do it now. I'd be a hypocrite. That was the Lord. <laughs> Go to Romans. Let's close. You get anything today? 
See, prayer, and I'll talk about this again Wednesday night. I'll, I'll preach some more on this, I think, Wednesday night uh, and finish up these four if, if we have time. Uh, but I want to talk to you about this because this, this, the prayer is a key to overcoming temptation because it, it brings out something that's deep inside of you that wants to obey God. It brings it out into the, over into the flesh. See, it takes supernatural power to overcome your flesh. How many know that's the truth, right? I mean, just in the natural, it's, it's hard. If you try to train your flesh or make the flesh do something just with natural power, it's not all that easy. You have to tap into supernatural power. See, if... I don't know if I should say this. Oh, well, let's live on the edge. Why not? <laughs> how, many, how many your goal in life is to be 100 pounds overweight. <laughs> well, brother, you better get your faith out there. I'm telling you, man. Just for the camera. Travis, what do you weigh? 135? He's exaggerating. <laughs> On a good day. Okay, so the 135 guy actually wants to put on 100 pounds. I get that. I get that. But you know, most of us don't have that goal, Travis. And most of us wished we had your problem. Because we could could definitely start fixing it this afternoon. (laughs) You know, know, most people want to, I can't say, a lot of people want to lose weight, right? Most people are friends of mine want to lose weight. <laughs> Most of my preacher friends are, want to lose weight. Every, every time I see them, they're on some kind of weird, out there diet, you know. You know, I'm a fishitarian or whatever, pecatarian, whatever they call them. What are pescatarian? What is that? What do you call it? You only eat fish. Huh? Pescatarian. Pescatarian. Yeah. You know, or they go to, you know, you know, I remember, you know, they were doing the Atkins thing. I remember the Atkins thing. You know, that was like, and, and you know, one of my friends explained it to me. I think, well, that's probably the only diet I could do because you can eat meat, you know, cheese, eggs, butter. I'm like, I don't, I don't see what the problem was at. You know, like one guy we met one time in a restaurant was fasting. He was eating his big bowl of chicken harvest soup. He said, well, I'm on a fast. I'm thinking, I'm fast like that. Praise God. Remember <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> I'm fasting. Oh, it's hmm. a great way to fast, brother. Anyway, you know, so most people are trying to lose weight. A lot of people are, you know. Why, why is it you just can't, you just don't do it? Why is it so quiet? All you got to do is shut your mouth, lay your fork down. It really isn't that hard, is it? I mean, don't eat everything your little beady eyes see. Oh, but it isn't all that easy, is it? Why? Because of your flesh. The decision's easy. I make it every week. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. It's always, yeah. I'm always doing it tomorrow. I'm always making decisions. Decisions are easy. Decisions like that, easy. Yeah, tomorrow. We change. Tomorrow, next time you see me, I look different. 
yeah, you look bigger. <laughs> I made the decision. But what happened? The flesh, right? Yeah. See, the spirit's willing, right? Yeah. But the, what's weak? The flesh. That's the way it is with temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. But if you pray, Jesus said, you bring out that strength that's in your spirit. You bring it out into the flesh where it can actually be used and do you some good. Right. Amen? Amen? One last scripture. Did you get something today? Yeah. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 because this Paul talks about the spirit helping us with these things. Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, just from background, Paul begins talking about us getting our glorified body. You know, the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, when, when your body, you know, is no longer tempted by sin, can't, you know, it's, it's immortal. It can't sin. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's perfect in every way. But until then, he tells us this in verse 26. He says, uh, likewise... <clears throat> The Spirit also helps our infirmities. Now, what's the word for infirmities? Weaknesses. All right. Now, how many know we don't have any weaknesses in our spirit if we're born again? So it's, it's, he's talking about when you read, and I don't have time, I'm not going to take the time to read the, the context, but when you read the context, he's talking about your flesh. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us with our infirmities. That is the, the weaknesses in our, our, our flesh. We have a high priest who was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Remember Hebrews? We read that. You know, he's, he's touched with the feelings of our what? Our infirmities, our weaknesses. The fact that your flesh has weaknesses in it. The, fla- the fact that your flesh can be tempted. He's touched with that. And it says the spirit also is touched with that. The Spirit helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. We're talking about prayer here, right? For as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, this is a verse that's a little hard to understand perhaps, but I think basically what Paul is saying is when we, we pray... We don't always know how to pray as we ought to pray, but if we're praying, the Spirit gets involved in our praying, especially when we're praying in other tongues. Especially then. See, Jude says we build up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So, especially when we pray in tongues, the Spirit of God has an opportunity to make intercession for us. To help us with our weakness. What are we talking about? Same thing Jesus said. Pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. The Holy Spirit will bring out that power out of your spirit over into your flesh. And you have power over the flesh. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, when the anointing comes on you, just like in a service, how you know it's easier to control the flesh? Think about it. Moses did not eat or drink for 40 days, did he? How did he do that? Because there was power on his flesh, right? You, now, you might be able to live for 40 days without eating, maybe, but you can't live for 40 days without drinking. All right, so what, what happened? There was some supernatural power when Moses was in the presence of God, got on his flesh that sustained his flesh. Remember when Elijah, you know, he told Ahab it's going to rain, right? And then the Bible says he girded up his loins 
and ran before him to the entrance of Jezreel. He outran the king's chariots for 26 miles. He didn't do that in the natural. The Spirit came on him. The same thing's true with temptation. As if, we have an, if we have a vibrant prayer life, we have power released in our life on a daily basis. And it helps us to walk free. Right? See, that kind of answered my question. I'm thinking, well, why don't I have all this temptation? Well, I don't, I don't know how to say this because I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound wrong. But, but let me just say it this way. If you do the right things, you won't have that as much temptation going on because you'll be walking in victory over it. Right? It won't be near as tempting or an issue. Amen. Because you have victory over it, right? See, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on, maybe Wednesday night if we have time. I'm going to talk about, see, see, you don't want to put yourself in certain situations where you open the door for the devil. Right? You know, when you get, you know, this is kind of young talk here, older people, you know. But, you know, when you're young, you know, you don't get in the back seat of the car. You just don't go there. Because once you get there, the temptation's now too strong and you're probably not going to beat it. You should have avoided it a long time ago. Like, I'm not going in the car with you. Right? All kinds of things. So people just do the right things, you know. It keeps them from doing the wrong things. Everybody say prayer. prayer. So prayer is one of the keys to victory over temptation. We didn't get to four. We'll get to them later on. But they're powerful. I want to share them with you. Well, let's just close by saying this. In Corinthians, the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And Jill, you can go ahead. I'm just going to have you come up, Jill, just you, if you would, please. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, it says, When we pray in tongues, when we speak in tongues, we edify ourselves. That means we charge ourselves up. Hallelujah. We charge ourselves up. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's, that's like a battery being charged up. That's the Spirit's power getting over in your natural life. It's not just enough to believe in the Holy Spirit on paper and say, praise God, I'm filled with the Spirit. I speak with tongues. You want to hear me? No, you've got to operate in these things so that power is flowing in your everyday life. Hallelujah. It can be available as we walk in the Spirit and do the things that are right things. Hallelujah. Amen. You ever tempted to, you know, not, not come to church? Sleep in? You ever tempted? That's just your flesh, right? You say, Pastor, you ever get tempted? Well, I was tempted this morning. Well, you have to come. You're the pastor. Are you kidding me? There's all kinds of people preach around here. All I got to do is just call one of them and say, hey, I'm sleeping in. I don't do that because I don't let my flesh have that leeway, right? Are you with me now? You know, I've already made a quality decision. We're going to be talking about this later on, but I've already made a quality decision of what I'm going to do with my life and what I'm not going to do with my life. So when that temptation comes, I've already answered that question. I've already answered that door. I've already rang that doorbell. I already know what I'm going to do. Is that right? We should learn to do that in every area of our life. Amen. Just like I did, thank you, Jesus, with the peanut brittle this past weekend. When Pastor Jerry rang my doorbell with that temptation, 
I made a quality decision, especially after you said, remember what you're preaching on. <laughs> uh, that helped me make a quality decision. I'm not, don't bring it, don't get it, leave it at the store. Praise God. I'll just eat brownies instead. Stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, did you get something out of this? We've been all over the place. Hallelujah, different countries, but we, you know, here we are, we're back in the Evansville. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God. Say this with me. In Jesus' name, I have victory over temptation. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.